America. Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, if you've listened to this program, an invasion has occurred. There's a war taking place. Russia has declared war on an American ally, Ukraine. While it's true we don't have any direct treaty obligations, although we do have an obligation as a result of a 1994 memo that everybody's ignoring, we don't have a formal treaty obligation. But Ukraine is surrounded by countries with whom we do have a formal treaty obligation. It's the North Atlantic Organization, Treaty Organization, NATO, Poland, Hungary, Romania, the Balkans, all members of NATO, all on the border with Ukraine. And given Putin's Stalinist-like speech 48 hours ago, where he lays claim to all the formerly captive nations that were freed under Reagan and his policies, And beyond, he wants the satellite nations he once controlled, including the nations I mentioned. And beyond, he's talking about the Russian Empire. Empire. Not the old Soviet Union per se. The Russian Empire, which is broader than the old Soviet Union. I am deeply disturbed and frustrated by the fact that we haven't unleashed crippling sanctions. These salami tactics don't work, and they're not going to work. I am deeply troubled and frustrated that we are not pouring weaponry, enormous amounts, into the Ukraine. We've stood up to the Russians before, we've stood up to the Soviets before. You know, there was a West Berlin. Harry Truman stepped up to the plate. And of course, West Germany. And we could go on. Now, not by our choice, by Putin's, we need to see the Russian army bogged down in Ukraine. And the Ukrainian people are brave people. And they have a very smart, democratic... Courageous leadership in Zelensky. It was really quite remarkable to hear Putin say he wants to denazify the Ukraine. Ukraine's president is a Jew. And he was elected overwhelmingly. And one of the reasons he was elected overwhelmingly was to stop Putin. And a corrupt government that preceded him by two presidencies. Now, I don't know, but I I just cannot understand why we are not, in fact, unleashing crushing sanctions against Putin directly. I don't know why we have at least 15 areas of his economy that we're not going to touch. I don't know why we're not pouring weapons, defensive and offensive, into Ukraine. To protect not just the Ukrainian people, but to protect the NATO allies and to protect the United States, for God's sakes. 
Now what do you think about the commentators on radio and TV, on the left and on the right, who said to you and misled you and propagandized you that they don't care about Ukraine, what does anything have to do with Ukraine? J.D. Vance, running in Ohio, puts out a statement, I just don't care about Ukraine, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? To prevent a world war, that's the big deal. And then there's China. China has the second largest economy on the planet. Their economy is about 80% the size of our economy. Ten years ago, it was about 50% the size of our economy. Their military, in some respects, is significantly bigger than ours and quite capable of fighting. It's a nation of 1.5 billion people. We're a nation of 330 million. They're watching this, as I said, over and over again, just as they watched us surrender in Afghanistan, just as they watched us surrender to the Islamo-Nazi mullahs in Tehran and their nuclear ambitions. They're watching the whole damn thing. And these same neo-conartists, if you will, neo-appeasers, neo-sellouts that don't put America first, and they don't care about your kids and your grandkids, They're the Tokyo Roses of our time. Giving aid and comfort to the enemy, as far as I'm concerned. No one in particular, just as a general matter. Because they come to the defense of the enemy. Now look, folks. We're all well aware that we have a pathetic individual sitting in the Oval Office, is not up to this job. We all know steps could have been taken a year ago, eight months ago, six months ago, that were not taken. Whether dealing with Russia or China, dealing in Afghanistan or dealing with Iran. We know we are handicapped with a president and an administration that appeases But that's not an excuse, is it, for we red-blooded Americans? For the men and women who have volunteered in our military? That's not an excuse to be obsessed with pacifism, to be obsessed with appeasement, to be obsessed with isolationism. No country has ever survived isolationism Not one. Because the enemy doesn't care what you declare. I've talked about the Kellogg-Briand Act in the past. Let me dust it off. Passed in the 1920s. Passed after World War I. Signed by at least two score of nations. What did it do? It outlawed war. They signed... A treaty that outlawed war. But the problem was, some of the countries that signed it and some of the countries that didn't had no intention of complying. Did it work a hundred years later? Here we are. 
Many wars, big and small. Pacifism is unilateral disarmament and disengagement. That's what it is. Isolationism. It's almost like a 15th century military ideology that we're going to be protected by the Pacific and the Atlantic. How absurd is that? There's many things that could have been done to protect this country in the last year and beyond, including our electrical grid. Now, everybody's talking about the vulnerability of the electrical grid. Should Putin attack it? And they're using that as an argument for 15th century insanity. Isolationism in the face of aggressive, evil, genocidal maniacs. Isolationism. That's not going to work. Ukraine didn't pick on anybody. They weren't looking for a fight. Israel hasn't been looking for a fight with the Iranians. The South Koreans aren't looking for a fight with the North Koreans. See, ladies and gentlemen, there really are enemies out there. There really are. And if a country's stupid and embraces isolationism or the neocon artists, they will lose a lot of their people. Some people need to be hit with a reality bat. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to have our friend Peter Pry on the program to explain again the vulnerability of our electrical grid. Could have spent 10 or $20 billion and protected the whole damn thing. I don't have another host on TV or radio who has spent more time talking about this and insisting on it, whether Republican presidents or Democrat presidents. I don't know any other host who first introduced you to Peter Pry. It was a national asset. And only now we talk about these things. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. We're going to have Peter Pry on after the bottom of the hour. We're going to have Tom Cotton on next hour. Man who's very sensible and sober on these matters. Um, there's been a lot of sort of deflection arguments made by friend and foe alike. We're not even securing our own border. How can we secure the border of other countries with cities whose names we don't even know? Uh, what? Wow, that's quite a unusual standard. Um, how about we secure our border and help defend our allies? You want to send one of your kids to war? No, I don't want to send any of my kids to war. And the surest way to send them to war is to appease these provocateurs who are evil and who want to take over as many countries as they possibly can and are hell-sent and hell-bent on doing it. But that said, last time I checked, we have an entirely volunteer military. So unless we go to the draft, we're not sending anybody to war who hasn't already volunteered to be in the military. I don't say that 
with any form of glee or celebration. I just make the point that the argument makes no sense. Number three, ladies and gentlemen, how many cases have you seen where Russia in particular, over its 100-year communist and fascistic history, that is subsequent to the Tsar, but we can go back to the Tsar if you want, has been stopped by meekness, weakness, appeasement. None. You've seen none. In fact, Russia looks for smaller countries with smaller populations and relatively small militaries to gobble up. That's what they do. That's what they've done. And that's what they're going to keep doing. If they think they can get away with it. But let me ask a question. How many cities beyond Seoul and South Korea can you name on the... I don't know any. Do you, Mr. Producer? I can't think of any. So should we get out of South Korea? Do we care about that border? We fought a war over that border. Hmm, interesting. How many cities can you name in the Middle East outside of five or six basic cities? Hmm? Not a lot, I bet. Should we draw our support for Israel? How many, how many countries beyond maybe 10 countries can you even name in the continent of Africa? Should we take all of our forward bases out of Africa? How many cities can you name in Honduras, Guatemala, Bolivia, Venezuela? How many? So that's not the test. And if we don't secure our border, that means we don't support our allies? What kind of inside-out thinking is that? It makes no sense whatsoever. And why is it that people talk this way, or think this way, or write this way, are so careful about criticizing Vladimir Putin? A long-time Russian KGB operative... He was the enforcer in East Germany, meaning killer. He had very tight ties with the Russian mob, certain Russian oligarchs, in order to take over Russia. He wins his first election with 40% of the vote. Some of the candidates are knocked out. Some are actually knocked off. 40%, and he never gives up power since. Hmm. Okay, Ukraine. How about the Balkan states? Romania? Big problem there? The Balkan states. What about Kosovo? Bosnia? Is that okay too? Okay, so we've already said, forget about South Korea. Forget about the Middle East. What do we care? Trump knocks out Soleimani. The same course of neocon artists, sellouts and appeasers, saying this is provocative. Who's behind all this, ladies and gentlemen? Is it the neocons? The Jews? Is it federal contractors? The very federal contractors who build the best equipment on the face of the earth so we can use it and protect our men and women in uniform? Now they're the enemy too? They're just mere profiteers, is that it? 
Wow. More and more of these so-called people on the right are sounding more and more like those people on the radical left who hate this country. America first? They certainly don't sound that way. You know, it's uh, it's rather remarkable watching this Democrats now talk about how we should do more when they've undermined our military. They've never funded the military properly. When they've been pushing critical race theory on the military. When they've been abusing our military personnel now. Uh, certainly during the full time of the Biden regime. And now all of a sudden they have figured out uh, we need a potent... Uh, military, high morale. Uh, but now it's, uh, why aren't we doing more? It's, it's just amazing to watch these people. Peter Pry is a national gem. He's been talking about the electrical grid till he's uh, blue in the face. Uh, I've done what I can in a limited way here and on Fox and on Levin TV to help promote what he's saying to push it out to as many people as I can. More and more people are talking about it. But, Peter Pry, it's very interesting to me when we get into a situation like this. Now people are, well, you know, our, our electrical grid is exposed and this, and Putin can do that. Why the hell don't we do something about it when we can? Well, the, uh, the government bureaucracy, Department of Energy and the Department of Homeland Security, but the Department of Energy in particular has a corrupt relationship with the electric industry lobbyists like NERC and the Electric Power Research Institute who don't want to do anything against uh, EMP or cyber or even or even provide the kinds of uh, safeguards that would prevent blackouts in severe snowstorms in Texas or high winds in California. It's obvious that when the utilities are so irresponsible and so uh, greedy that, uh, that they put public safety behind their profits so that they're willing to tolerate uh, electric power lines getting knocked down in California and causing wildfires that kill hundreds of people. Or in Texas, where they allow a snowstorm to black out the electric grid down there, which also killed over 100 people. Yeah, but, but let's not be honest, be it's also the politicians in Texas and California and all. Yes. They keep pushing this alternative energy stuff, and they act like this electrical grid is just going to always be there. That's right. The Biden administration, uh, to its minor credit, okay, has uh, is continuing President Trump's EMP executive order and is putting, oh, maybe three hundred million dollars into EMP protection of the of of the grid uh, over the next six years. But they're putting trillions of dollars into climate change and COVID, and that uh, the climate change uh, uh, measures that they're taking on the grid. Are going to more are going to make the grid far more vulnerable. On balance, when Biden is done with his plans, the grid will be far more vulnerable to cyber attack and EMP than it is now. That's because solar and wind are, while they're good for microgrids. I mean, you can run a house on solar or or or, or wind power, but you can't run a national electric grid on solar and wind power. The sun doesn't always shine. The wind doesn't always blow. They're inherently destabilizing forms of electricity, and they will destabilize the grid and make it easier to uh, uh, to uh, make cyber and EMP attacks. And the Biden administration wants to put a lot more stress on the grid through electrical cars and cl- closing down coal fire and hydro plants, uh, not doing anything to expand nuclear. 
those are the most resilient forms of electrical energy. And they're the very ones that they want to shut down somehow in the name of climate change. That doesn't make any sense, especially hydro and nuclear, because those are also the cleanest forms of, uh, of, uh, of energy in addition to being the most resilient. So the policy is irrational. It's an example of them living in a fantasy world. I mean, what do you expect from an administration that thinks that public policy should be based on 32 uh, uh, genders instead of two biological sexes? Hmm. Same thing in the crisis that's going on in NATO. You know, this idea, you know, NATO has been hollowed out. It's so weak. And we didn't even have any vital national interests at stake in Ukraine. And the president put the nation's credibility all on the line in Ukraine, drew a line in the sand, and the Russians have stepped right over it. I mean, he's in one stroke destroyed U.S. credibility all over the world. Uh, uh, and he's imposing these sanctions. The Russians can, re- can What sanctions? I, what, what sanctions? Right. These are not they're, serious sanctions. No, they're not. But even if they they're, were, I mean, sanctions, I think intelligent people and tyrannies, they do have done that so many times that sanctions are a kind of phony war. They're a kind of political Well, we have a little disagreement with this. You may recall that Reagan broke the back of the Soviet Union through economic sanctions, outspending them, outbuilding them, outmaneuvering yes. them. So it has worked. But well, it's not going to work under this president. A, yeah, that was combined with a, a, a big investment in our military and building. I agree 100%. And, and, and technological arms race that the Russians couldn't win with the strategic no. defense initiative. All Which of that is why broke their back. We're not doing any we, of it. No, we're not doing any of that. So when you hear Democrats today say we should be doing more and more, I'm saying the time to do more was before. Yeah. Was before. Now, I would ask you this. What do we do today? What can we do today? What order should be issued today to get these grids or get this grid at least significantly more protected than it is today? We don't act like we're doing anything. We can't right. spend, well, oh, in five years, it'll be protected. We don't have five years. Well, I wrote an article uh, uh, that uh, got a lot of attention um, a couple of weeks ago about how the governors of the states, because of Washington, D.C., has dropped the ball on EMP and cyber protection, that the governors of the states may suddenly find themselves on the front lines of a cyber war with Russia. And, uh, and so uh, since I wouldn't wait for Washington, I hope the governors of the states, you know, could pass executive orders to protect Why the grids within their states. And I, I appended an executive order. I'd have them, I'd have them direct the emergency management agencies in all of the states to start laying plans about what are you going to do to try to keep your population alive in the event of a, a blackout. Uh, um, what emergency measures uh, I would have them uh, get together, start calling in at the state level. Uh, uh, the defense contractors who have hardened the military. They're available in the phone book. They're not a secret. You know, you can find them in a 15-minute search. Uh, companies mm-hmm. like like Khaki, for example, that do, have done EMP hardening for the military. And bring them in and get estimates from them on how much mm-hmm. is it going to cost to protect the Florida electric grid, you know, or Texas or wherever you are, and come up with a plan. Uh, and the plans, they'll often, they, they may even do that for free. Um, I had a project going in Louisiana, which unfortunately got stopped for political reasons. But, uh, 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 you know, the, where we were able to get free plans, three free plans for protecting the Louisiana electric grid. And um, uh, then once you've got a plan, uh, you know, to implement that plan, 
and the plan can be implemented by modest rate increases you know to pay for the EMP and cyber protection of the electric grid uh, or invoking the critical infrastructure protection act that was passed by the senator ron johnson who's been a, a heroic warrior he really the is EMP. under this under critical infrastructure protection act the states should be able to write to the secretary of homeland security and get help hardening their grids including let me, let me ask you let me ask you a practical question though these electrical grids most of them as far yeah. as i know you correct me if i'm wrong they don't begin and end at a state line so let's say one of these states, Tennessee, Florida, Texas, says, all right, we are going to harden ours, and that's going to be great. But what if the state next door does not? Won't that affect Texas, Tennessee, and these other states? How does that work? Well, if you harden the generators and the transformers within your state, while you may be affected somewhat by a neighboring state, you can basically keep the lights on within your state. Uh, the EMP Commission recommended this, and it's called islanding. You can basically island your state. It remains on normal under normal circumstances. The grid would operate as it all always does because we've got three big grids, the Texas grid, the eastern grid, and the western grid. You know, most of the country is on the eastern grid. But any individual state within that grid, uh, you know, if you harden your generators, harden the big transformers, uh, you know, harden the skaters, you know, which doesn't cost a lot and it's not hard to do, uh, uh, you know, you can keep the lights on in that state. It'll be islanded. So even if all the other states around you have done nothing and they go down, mm-hmm. you'll keep the lights on. Your hospitals, your police stations, uh, the people's homes will be uh, will have the power. Are any states really leading the way in this regard? They're trying to. Uh, Senator Bob Hall down in Texas, State Senator Bob Hall, has like for three or four years in a row has tried to get a bill through the Texas state legislature. You know, it well, what's the problem? The the Republicans, the, the 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 electric the electric lobbyists will come in. Well, do the and, electric uh, lobbyists have, own the governor? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, really? Uh, when, when I was very disappointed in Governor Abbott when uh, after after the uh, the Texas ice storm, you know, caused a serious blackout Horrible. in Texas that killed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That was the time for for the governor to call in. Not to stop trusting ERCOT, which is the basically the 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 they regulate the utilities in, in in Texas, and they are in the pocket of the utilities. ERCOT does whatever the Texas utilities want, and they're always turning to ERCOT and the utilities as if they have the expertise to harden against EMP and cyber. They don't even have the expertise to harden against snowstorms or unexpected ice storms. You know that was the time for him to 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 take charge himself to get together with Senator Hall and pass Senator Hall's bill, which would have called, would have formed a, a, an emergency committee, you know, that would have brought in these defense contractors to advise them on how to harden the electric grid. What there about Florida? A, 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 there is a utility in Texas that is a hero. All right, I want to move Center off Point Texas. Energy. We're going to run out of time. What about Florida? Yes. Florida can protect itself. I've I've actually had a converse, uh, a converse, at least one conversation with Governor DeSantis about doing it. And I'm uh, uh, the, the 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 hypothetical executive order I wrote was a, an EMP executive order for Flor- for the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Governor DeSantis knows about EMP and he cares about it. Uh, you know, Florida would be a great state to do it in. In fact, Florida was specifically named back in April of last year when the Russians were threatening cyber attacks against the United States. They 
specifically mentioned the state of Florida, that they could make an example of Florida and black out the Florida electric grid. Now, why would they say that? They said that in... Uh, in uh, No, no, no. Why Mar- would they uh, pick Florida? I d- I'm not I'm not sure why 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 particularly it may be that they're better they're that they've penetrated that area best or uh, mm-hmm. possibly uh, uh, you know because it's uh, uh, it's so close to Cuba that they could do other things operating out of Cuba against Florida uh, but they mentioned uh, three options where they could demonstrate their cyber superiority against the United States one was blacking out Harlem in New York City and then going bigger and going against the state of Florida and blacking out Florida, or then going all the way and doing an all-out cyber war that would black out the whole United States. But the fact that they specifically mentioned Florida is uh, very significant. Uh, let me, let have- me take a break. Let me take a break. I want to bring, bring you back uh, after the break, Peter, and I want to thank you on short notice. You're very, very important in, in this discussion. And my question when we come back is this. Can we hurt Russia really, really badly if there's a cyber war. And if we go on offense first, can we knock them out before they knock us out? That's my question to you. Uh, Mr. Producer, we'll be right back. Mark Levin. Question for our good friend Peter Pry. Could we unleash a cyber attack on them that would turn their economy and their country inside out? I don't, I don't think so. I know the administration uh, claims that we could. Uh, you know, we supposedly have um, our, I'm sure we do have offensive cyber warfare programs uh, that are in uh, deeply classified black programs uh, prepared by the National Security Agency. Uh, but the reason I'm skeptical is, you know, I look at our cyber warfare doctrine, and it's really simplistic. It's it relies only on on bugs and logic bombs and everything that is associated with the internet. Uh, but it's not as sophisticated as Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, who have a much more sophisticated doctrine. Well, let me let me interrupt there because we only have a few minutes. Well, why is that? Okay. What the hell are we doing? Because uh, you know because. In part, it's the it's in part it's the lawyers who don't want cyberspace turned into a a, a military arm. What lawyers? I, Where? In the Department of Defense, in the Department really? of State. Yeah. Uh, here here's a metric. Okay, since we don't have much time, uh, one of the reasons I don't think that we have that kind of cyber warfare capability is that every time the Russians, Chinese, or North Koreans hit us, the government. Uh, politicians threaten we're going to hit them back or we should hit them back you know we never seem to hit them back it's a great you know point. every time we have a major uh, cyber attack on this country if you look around you follow the newspapers you know the bad guys never get hit back uh, so that makes me extremely skeptical that we uh, it makes me think it's all talk and that we and that we really don't mm-hmm. have uh, an effective counter counter capability when it comes to cyber warfare i also know the russians have hardened their electric grid you know, they, they have deliberately used uh, earlier electromechanical technologies, which are basically invulnerable to cyber attack and uh, l- much less vulnerable to EMP attack. And they've done that purposely because when they originally designed their electric grid, they had national security in mind. You know, that was not uh, our electric grid has been designed 
by the private sector for making money, and it was never designed with national security in mind. And the more we become reliant on one source of energy, electricity, we blow off coal, we blow off natural gas, we blow off oil and all the rest, we become even more vulnerable, don't we? Yes. I'm a little surprised that the president is paying so much attention to the price of gas going up as the biggest consequence that Americans are going to have to pay for his uh, his folly in Ukraine. I thought they I mean, liked that. Anything. He hasn't said anything about the fact that we could get hit with a cyber attack by Russia that would black out our electric grid and could have catastrophic consequences for our for our society. But I thought they wanted to drive up the cost of fossil fuels and, f- they and destroy do. those they industries. Do. Yeah. Maybe they're using the Ukrainian crisis as an excuse for that to no, happen. No, but I mean, they act like they're worried about it. You know, that's the great... And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, this is like your 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 dream. This is what you've been wanting to do. Right. They've always wanted $6 a gallon gasoline. So people will give up on cars and use mass transportation and or go to electric vehicles. That's a, that's a major goal of the climate change agenda. I get the sense, Peter Prime, we only have a minute, that you believe we've provoked Russia. Is that is that where you're coming from? Yes, I do. I think American foreign policy was misguided and lost its way after the Reagan and Bush administrations when we were going to try to turn Russia into a strategic partner. And then Bill Clinton dropped that ball during his eight years. And then Bush got distracted by the war on terror and expanded NATO eastward. And when he did that, that guaranteed we were going to come into a conflict with Russia. I mean, I, I think our goal should have been... Yeah, but, but the Ukraine doesn't even have any nukes anymore. All right, we'll talk about this another day. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 381 877-381-3811. Look, I disagree with certain friends and many foes alike on this issue. The idea that five or six presidents and administrations have created a scenario in which Russia has no choice but to invade Ukraine seems to me absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. Nobody's threatening Russia. Ukraine denuclearized in 1994. Uh, nobody's threatening them. And I don't buy into Putin's lies and his rhetoric. Who's threatening? Which country is threatening him? Which country even dares to threaten an army that's 50 times bigger than theirs? And a megalomaniac who they know will attack them? None. None. Nobody's threatening him. Nobody's threatening Russia. This is Putin holding on to power. This isn't even about Russia. This is about Putin. And his legacy. That's what it's about. Russia needs its space, we hear. Space for what? What are they talking about? Who knows what they're talking about? Like Belarus. Is that really an independent country? No, it's obvious it's not. Kazakhstan, is that really an independent country now? No, that's a Putin thug who runs that country. You can go through six or seven of these so-called countries, and they're basically controlled by Putin. But he wants them all. He basically said so the other night. 
He said so the other night. The people in Ukraine, they are fighting for their lives. They are fighting for their country. And they deserve our support. If you're not going to give them support, at least pray for them. Ukraine has never had nuclear missiles aimed at us. They're not trying to build a technologically advanced missile system for us. They're not building alliances with communist China against us or the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran against us. And what next? I don't understand how stupid some people can be. It really is amazing to me. And I want to say this. Joe Biden said something today that was correct. In addition to all the other stuff he has said. And that is that we will defend every inch of NATO territory. We are committed to this. We have no choice. And Putin knows this. He knows it. The whole world knows it. Now, if you want to see more American boys and ladies die, then you listen to these neocon artists, the sellouts and the appeasers. You listen to them. Then you'll see what the Iranians do. Then you'll see what these terrorist groups do. Then you'll see what the communist Chinese do. And more Russia vis-a-vis NATO. This isn't predictable. This is a fact. An absolute fact. It's just shocking to me. How many people fall for this crap? You see what's going on. You see what's going on. You see that Russia is bombarding these Ukrainian towns and cities. Just killing people willy-nilly. The Ukrainians are fighting back. They're trying to fight back. They're putting up a spirited fight in certain parts of the country, but they're, they're overwhelmed in other parts of the country. They're handing out weapons to their citizens. There are three million, three and a half million people who live in Kiev. Their second biggest country is already taken over by the Russians on the, on the eastern border. Hungary... Poland, Romania, the Balkan states, they're all muscling up. Worried about what Russia's going to do. And you should worry about it too. These clowns are what does this have to do with us? What do you mean what does it have to do with us? What does it have to do with us? I don't know. Why did my grandfather fight in Iwo Jima in Guam? What does that have to do with us? Why did my great uncle fight in Guadalcanal? What does that have to do with us? Why did men all over this country go to Europe, go to North Africa, all over the world to fight the enemy? Why did they do that? It's so far away after all. And they didn't even have intercontinental ballistic missiles with nuclear warheads. These genocidal maniacs do. You have to have a rather perverse view of America first and this country to suggest that it is we who provoked this mental patient, Putin, who's murdered his way to the top. 
or that we have provoked this mental patient, G, who's got two and a half million Muslims in concentration camps, who's already destroyed Hong Kong and wants to destroy Taiwan. That's not us. Some of these people, the American first crowd, who you hear and see and read, sound like the America last crowd, like Bernie Sanders, like the American Marxists, like AOC. I don't see a dime's worth of difference among them. And don't throw out stupid arguments. This audience isn't stupid. Conservatives, patriots aren't stupid. If we don't secure the southern border, why are we helping somebody else with their border? What kind of a stupid argument is that? We should secure our border. But the reason the other border needs to be secured, too, is to protect us. Our alliances, our allies, and ultimately us. Us. The greatest generation. It's almost gone. They would understand every bit of this. The greatest generation would understand every bit of it. What if Putin invades Latvia or Lithuania? What if he invades Poland or Slovakia or Romania or Hungary or Bulgaria? What then? Poland to the west, Slovakia to the west, Hungary to the west. Romania to the southwest. Moldova. Ever hear of Moldova? Oh, yeah. All on the border. What's the next excuse? He's already used the Hitler excuse. A lot of Russians in these areas, ethnic Russians, they speak Russian. It's like the Sudetenland, you know. A lot of Germans. All right, you can have it. I can hear the same voices today. What do we care about the Sudetenland? What do we care? What do you want, a world war? What do we care about Czechoslovakia? Remember that? That was next. What do we care about Czechoslovakia? World war? I can't even spell it. What do we care? Then Poland. And the American isolationists still weren't convinced. They go to war with England. The American isolationists still aren't convinced. Then we're finally hit in Pearl Harbor by the Japanese. They and the Germans declare war on us and the Italians. Now finally we're convinced. But we're way behind the eight ball. We haven't built up our military. All those four bases we have in Europe, ladies and gentlemen, we earn those damn bases. With American blood and guts, we earn those damn bases. All those bases, we earned them. Guam, we earned it. That's a fact. What, the grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the men who fought should bleed and die on those lands because of stupid decisions that we might make here? Well, what does that have to do with us after all? It's all the way over there. It's all the way over there. And if you dare to say what I say, obviously you want a world war, a nuclear war, you're a chicken hawk, and you won't send your kids. This, this is the kind of 
moronic insanity that we hear as Putin is marching through another country that provoked no one and nothing. He's being defended here at home while people are saying, hey, pay attention, pay attention. People, how, how did this happen, the Third Reich? How did it happen? Mao took China. How did, how did these things happen? Stop, how did they? Well, now you see how they happen. Weak at home. We don't build up our military. We have a moron of its president. We have clowns on radio and TV, many. Clowns in Washington, D.C. And the enemy marches on, depending on the clowns. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Well, I wanted to turn to uh, Senator Tom Cotton, who knows something about all this stuff. Senator, I'm looking at what's going on here. The Russians rolling through Ukraine. Ukrainians putting up a spirited defense and fight. They are outarmed every step of the way. Uh, partly due to us, because we wouldn't give them the weaponry they needed to bog down the uh, the Russian army. But all that said, are you concerned about the appeasement wing or the... It, it's almost, they claim to be American first, but it seems like the America last wing that you hear in the media, that you see in the Democrat Party, that you see in the Republican Party. I mean, it's, there's a lot of unity against Putin. I got that. But there there are these elements. It, it's really kind of shocking to me. Well, Mark, thanks for having me on in this great hour. Uh, it's a constant throughout American history, really throughout human history, that some want to stick their head in the sand or look the other way when you have aggressive, brutal dictators like Vladimir Putin who launch naked wars of aggression, or in this case also threaten and telegraph that naked war of aggression for four months. Um, many people start singing a different tune once the bullets fly, uh, and we've seen some of that in the last 24 hours. I, I will say this, though, Mark, the Congress is not in session this week. Um, I've spoken with lots of Arkansans, even those Arkansans who, who don't follow international politics that much, who don't know much about uh, Ukraine. They have a very strong and visceral reaction to this kind of unprovoked aggression by a larger country against a smaller country on its border. Um, and I think that we'll see in the in the days and the weeks ahead that the American people strongly support um, a aggressive response, more aggressive than the Biden administration has announced thus far, uh, to stand up to Vladimir Putin and to protect America's interests. They're killing people. They're destroying uh, the infrastructure of uh, Ukraine. It's an all-out war against this country. Uh, we have NATO countries right on the border. Serious Eastern European NATO countries, Romania, Hungary, Poland, You've got uh, the Balkan states. You've got uh, others. And um, can you imagine Vladimir Putin? He takes over Ukraine. Here he is sitting on the border. And what's he going to do for the next 10 years? Sit there and pick his nose? What's he going to do? So um, I think we should add that he also has de facto control of Belarus as well. Um, To the north. The main... The main effort uh, against Kiev is coming from Belarus, not technically Russian territory, but I think now it's fair to say, especially mm-hmm. over the last year when he helped 
Alexander Lukashenko, the Belarusian dictator, steal the election, that Belarus is de facto now part of Russia once again. And this is part of Vladimir Putin's long-term ambitions, Mark. As you know, this has nothing to do with Ukraine membership in NATO. That was not somehow approaching. There's no relevant deadline. There's no plan even to, for Ukraine to join NATO. It wasn't about military exercises on Ukrainian soil. Um, we don't conduct those. If you just listen to what Vladimir Putin said Monday night in that speech, or for that matter, Mark, as I'm sure you did, read the essay he published last summer, which is entitled On the Historic Unity of the Russians and the Ukrainians. You can see that this is all about reassembling the greater Russian empire, that he has uh, the ambition to become the next great czar in the mold of Peter the Great or Catherine the Great, and he cannot, in his mind, be the Russian czar, have greater Russia without Belarus and Ukraine. And if he is successful in seizing Ukraine, as you say, he has four new NATO countries on his border, Romania, Slovakia, Hungary, and Poland. But he also has de facto control over Belarus, which means he controls both sides of what's known as the Sawalki Gap, um, the strip of territory about 60 miles long connecting Poland and Lithuania, on the north side of which is Kaliningrad, a small Russian exclave that he has armed to the gills. Uh, and I think he would be tempted in the years ahead uh, to make a run to connect Belarus and Kaliningrad and test NATO resolve. And that's why it's one of the reasons it's so important now that we show our resolve and that we put much str more stringent sanctions on Russia than what President Biden announced today, and that we do fortify our defenses in NATO, uh, and that we insist going forward that our NATO partners, especially large wealthy nations like Germany, start carrying their share of the load. Which I think I, even the German people at this point might wake up and say, uh, I think we have a problem. Now, the things that you recommended... I mean, these are obvious to me, and they've been obvious to me. I don't know what these crushing sanctions are that we're putting on Russia. They don't sound crushing to me. And if Germany has a veto over it because Biden keeps saying we all agree on the, what the sanctions are going to be, I mean, this doesn't seem crushing, doesn't sound crushing. In fact, it seems utterly ineffective to me. What exactly is Biden doing? Yeah, I mean, um, we had a had a conference call this afternoon with uh, senators and uh, senior members of the cabinet, and I can tell you what, what he's doing is essentially giving a veto uh, to Europe and especially to Germany. The sanctions you heard announced today did not include the removal of Russia from the international banking consortium known as SWIFT, uh, which would have isolated Russia financially and economically much more than anything he announced today. Maybe as important, the sanctions announced today did not touch Russia's oil or gas industry. Now, that's in part, Mark, because countries like Germany and Italy have allowed themselves to become so dependent on Russia. But you also had senior White House officials at the podium in the White House tonight basically admitting that their failed energy policies also have tied America's hands. Uh, these White House officials said that they don't want to do anything that would increase the price of oil. Well, of course, if you sanction Russia to remove the leverage it has over Europe, that might affect the price of oil. But they shouldn't have spent the last year increasing the price of oil artificially by waging war on America's oil and gas industry. And if they really want to keep the price of oil low, what they should do is unlock that potential in America. They should immediately lift their drilling ban on federal lands 
They should immediately start issuing new royalties and leases. They should encourage investment in that sector as, a tr- as opposed to trying to stop it. Can you hold over uh, just a few minutes? Um, the news reports sure, are coming out, and I don't know how true this is. U.S. officials, Russian forces could seize Kiev at any moment. Of course, they're surrounding the city. We'll be right back with Senator Tom Cotton. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Senator Tom Cotton, you know, there's an effort to uh, romanticize Putin by some in this country and to smear Zelensky. Now, Zelensky's a reformer. He was actually elected president. Uh, Vladimir Putin says today he wants to denazify uh, Ukraine. He happens to be Jewish. Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, the absurdity of all this. And he has just said that based on what the information they have, the Ukrainians, he is target number one. What in the world would they do with the president of Ukraine if they capture him? Morgan, I do think that Zelensky and the senior officials of the Ukrainian government are targets number one uh, because the Russian government has made it clear, Vladimir Putin has made this clear in his own public statements for some time, uh, that he thinks the government in Ukraine um, is his enemy, a mortal enemy of the Russian people, is a pretender regime. Um, Again, you can read everything that he said uh, on Monday night. Um, and that his intent is to remove that government. Um, unclear what his next step is, whether he would try to install a puppet government um, or whether he would annex all of his territorial gains into Russia, as he did with Crimea in 2014. Um, but he was very clear on Monday night that he intends uh, to destroy the government of Ukraine. And... Um I guess my question is this. Do people know how this man came to power? That he was really never elected? That, the, you know, that they, they created this attack, blamed it on the Chechnyans, uh, which killed scores of Russians. He becomes the, uh, the deputy, and then Yeltsin steps down, and he replaces Yeltsin, and then he has spent his entire life eliminating any, any foes, potential foes, enemy, enemies, and so murdering them that this is what we're dealing with. you think most Americans realize that? Uh, they probably don't, Mark, because Putin has been pretty successful at fooling most new presidents over the last 20 years into thinking that he's somehow someone they can work with, who has shared interests with the United States, um, who simply wants to address the legitimate needs of the Russian people. Uh, but as you laid out, Vladimir Putin is KGB through and through. Um, and he came to power in the late 1990s late 1990s, with the aid of all of his fellow former KGB officers. And as you said, um, they engineered um, attacks on innocent women and children in Moscow as a way to develop pretext to fight a war in the Caucasus Mountains against Chechnya and um, to cement his hold on power. Uh, Vladimir Putin is a brutal and ruthless dictator, as we have seen yet again by launching this unprovoked, naked war of aggression against a much smaller and peaceful people. Seems to me, Senator, the bottom line is if we don't muscle up NATO, particularly these countries that are on the border with Ukraine, 
and do it immediately. And I understand people are saying, you know, they, these countries need to contribute their 2%, per, 2%. About half of them do, half of them don't. Germany doesn't. I got it. But I'm worried about our national security. And for some reason, people don't understand that most wars don't begin in Lawrence, Kansas, do they, Senator? No. Most wars so, begin so Mark, somewhere else. Yeah, Mark, we have, to, we have to take the immediate steps necessary to protect our NATO partners, countries now potentially on the front lines of an expanded Russian front like Hungary, uh, Slovakia, Romania, countries that are already on Russian, uh, Russia's front, Poland, Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia. We have to take those steps now. In the long run, though, we have to convince our NATO partners in Europe that they need to spend substantially more in defense. They need to spend it on the kinds of things that will stop Russia, um, and they need to take greater responsibility for their own security. That's not a solution today or next week or next month, but that has to be the long-term solution. I mean, Europe's economy is 10 times the size of Russia's economy. They have more than enough resources to contribute to the uh, defense of Europe, while we focus more on China in the years ahead. Um, I agree. It's not a solution this week or next month, but it has to be the long-term solution, especially, once again, for large and wealthy nations like Germany and Italy. But how do we convince Germany and Italy? They, they, are, they are arrogant, the governments. They are stubborn. You think this will be the jolt that's needed? Well, I hope that they have been, as the saying used to go, mugged by reality, and that they're willing to press charges, um, that they realize that they can no longer expose themselves to such leverage uh, from Russia. I mean, this has been a 20-year a 20 20 year plan in Germany um, that has brought them to this point between Gerhard Schroeder, who is essentially a traitor to the West. He's been serving on Russian oil and gas companies since he left office in Germany. And Angela Merkel, by continuing to import more and more Russian gas and shutting down all their nuclear power plants, um, they should wake up and recognize what they've done to put their own future at risk. I mean, it, it is not it is not feasible to ask the American people to continue to care more about the future for Germany's kids than Germany's parents are willing to care for it right now. But what about our own administration? I mean, look at the vulnerability they've put us in with the attack, Incredible. as you point out, oh, yeah. on our oil industry. That, this is a major tool that we could have used against the we, Russian military. We now import uh, more oil from Russia than Alaska produces, which is a major turnaround, I can tell you, Mark, from just a few years ago. The vast majority of Americans who are not deluded by ideology have a clear-eyed, common-sense opinion on this matter. We should not make ourselves subject to leverage using the oil and gas of a brutal dictatorship that has proven they will use oil and gas against their enemies. We have more than enough oil and gas in America, not only to support our own economy, but also to support our European partners by exporting liquefied natural gas. So the Biden administration needs to uh, have a complete reversal of its energy policy to include nuclear power, Mark, which we could build by the scores in America. But, Senator, they're not going to do it. And help our partners in Europe. They're, they're not going to do it. And this needs to be one of the reasons why... He is removed in three years, and the Democrats are well, removed in three years. I was going to say, Mark, I think, I, I think this is going to contribute to the many reasons why Democrats are going to be removed from the Congress 
in nine months. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, what else can we say? Senator, I want to thank you very much for your input and your patriotism. It's much appreciated, sir. Oh, I have a question, thank Tom. You. you don't have to answer this. Yeah. Are you leaning towards maybe running for president, depending on whatever? <laughs> Sorry, um, buddy. Mark, I'll, I, I will say that uh, I want to make sure that we replace all those Democrats in the Congress this fall, uh, and then we'll look to the next election. But I, oh. I'll try to play the game, the game in front of us before, as uh, Bill Belichick might say, we, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Senator. Unfair question, but I wanted to ask anyway. All right. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Mark. All right. Be well. He's called out China before anybody else. He and Trump. And he is very practical about these foreign policy issues. He's really a terrific senator. By the way, he'd be a terrific president, too. I really believe that. The Ukraine crisis, latest news, Russia forces captured Chernobyl nuclear plant and invasion on multiple fronts. I only know what they're telling us, and that is they think Kiev is going to fall quickly. The president of Kiev, duly elected reformer, despite what Putin's surrogates and propagandists all over the world say. Um, he and his cabinet will be targeted by Putin. Now, we saw the foreign minister on Fox earlier today with our buddy Brett Baer, and he's flying back to Ukraine. These are courageous people, folks. These are very, very courageous people. And Ukraine is saying that saboteurs have, in fact, entered Kiev. I don't know. This is gut-wrenching to me. I don't know how you look at this and you say, what do we care? What do we care? Maybe there's a percentage of the population who just believes that. Maybe there's a significant number of you who just believe it. I doubt it. You have a good knowledge of what Russia is capable of, and you have a good knowledge of not just American history, but world history. It's true. It's very painful, I think. Folks, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And we salute our truckers. North, south, east, and west. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless each and every one of you.